Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, the podcast where we're talking about all of that and then some. You might hear my dog in the background. He's got a few opinions he apparently wants to share with you this week. Sorry about that. Uh, It is the first week in July, summer, finally. I don't know about where you are, but here in Oregon, it's been dark and drizzly and gloomy, and we are ready for some sunshine. But it's going to be a real different summer this year, isn't it? Most of us aren't traveling, or we shouldn't be if we can help it. And most kids won't be going to camp or swimming lessons. Most of us won't be going on family vacations. It's weird, isn't it, to navigate a a season without all the usual landmarks? You know, we won't be doing big Fourth of July this year. We won't be picnicking with groups of people. And, you know, it's it's just a different way to go about it. Once again, another This is our second season with the pandemic, and we're all kind of learning how to navigate. Now, for those of you who are new to this podcast, I wrote the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, a few years back now, um, and I wrote it about how to navigate prenatal care and labor and delivery here in the United States. I was a labor and delivery nurse for about 20 years, and I learned a lot about our birth industry. So I wrote that book and another one and a whole lot of magazine articles. Um, And you can find all that over on my website. And I wrote them to share what I learned with mothers who I think need insider information. Uh, We got a tricky birth system here in the United States and you got to know what you're doing. Uh, I just wrote a piece this week for romper.com about how most maternal health studies are about babies. They're not about mothers. Um, and, uh, go check it out. Go look me up over on Robert romper.com and check out that, that article. seems like one way or another, I've been talking and writing about maternal health and feminism and women's health and parenting for a very, very long time. Why the politics part? Well, because I'm a huge advocate for women and mothers, um, and, you know, helping women to live their best lives. And I've been doing that for a while. And I think that politics is a huge, huge player that determines how well that happens for us. Um, Many of us are seeing with brand new clarity that the government has a huge impact on our daily lives and well-being, and specifically on our health and healthcare and our ability to access that. Right now, it looks like our healthcare system is on the brink of either revolution or implosion. And I think it may be long overdue. Um, the way we've operated our insurance, our healthcare system in the U.S. has been by basing the right to access healthcare on insurance access. Basically, no insurance, no healthcare, or in reality, no ability to afford healthcare. Um, and so right now, there are record numbers of people who are utilizing our healthcare system, whether or not they can afford it or are insured because they have to. That's what healthcare is about. It's about meeting basic human needs that every single person needs, especially during a time like this. So, you know, we're watching in real time what happens when something like a pandemic strikes and millions of people overwhelm healthcare systems. You know, I've long believed that healthcare needs to be a right that everyone should have, not just those who can afford it. And the way that we work here in the United States is we're going to need to overhaul the healthcare system. So maybe something's going to change here this time. Maybe, 
pandemic has been super stressful on everyone. And now we're well into the fourth month and it's super frustrating. Instead of things getting better, as it is in many, many countries, um, it appears like more and more Americans are getting sick. We are seeing COVID numbers rise all over the country. And, you know, we're also eager to get out of our houses and out in the world and the weather's getting nice and we just don't want to be inside anymore. And we're forgetting our basic safety precautions that, you know, should be common sense by now. And we're taking too many risks. And this seems to be especially tough on the teens and young adults. And, you know, who can blame them, really? They've been cooped up and without their friends for far longer than they should. And solitary confinement with just your folks is not a natural habitat for young adults. Um, They're meant to be easing their way out into the world. So they're being kids and they're doing the dumb things that every teen generation does, like sneaking out to parties and gathering and teaming groups with their friends. And what a damn shame that for this generation, that means potentially getting terribly sick and then worse, potentially spreading it to other people. We have to knock that off, y'all. Hard as it is, we still have to stay home whenever possible, isolate, wash hands. And if you're going anywhere at all, wear your masks. Yes, even the teenagers and young adults. We know it's hard. We do, really. But hang in there and use the common sense you've learned by now, okay? But what about the stress of staying home? Well, we're going to talk about that this week with someone who knows what she's talking about and has some good tips and advice. But first, let's take a real, real quick break. All right, we are back. Um, One thing I think is kind of cool is the way humans adapt under stress. Sure, we whine and complain for a while, but then most of us just get right down to the business of making things work. For instance, look how quickly we all figured out ways to work from home, to take our lives online, to live with our families all the time to, you know, even maintain relationships during quarantine. It's kind of remarkable, really. And for those of you who are working your jobs while taking care of small children, I applaud your heroism. It's hard. It's nearly impossible to do that. And yet millions of families are figuring it out. But it's stressful too, right? I know it is. So this week, we're going to talk with Jody Aman a psychotherapist who has worked with families for more than 20 years. She holds a master's in social work from Columbia University. She has studied and taught narrative therapy around the world. And now she's partnering with Tilio, the lifestyle learning platform that's encouraging users to seek out personal development. Jody has developed a program for parents looking for support, encouragement, and guidance right now when they need it most. So let's get Jody on the line. Hey, Jody, it's Jeannie. Hi, Jeannie. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing really great. Jody, where are you in the country? I'm in Rochester, New York. Oh, okay. Cool. You're on the other side of the world for me. I'm in Portland, Oregon. Oh, my. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a part of New York I've never been. I've been to oh, Manhattan. It's beautiful. 
many, many times, but I've never been anywhere outside of the city. Yeah. I'm about six hour drive. It's wow. a big state. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I read a little bit of your bio before I got you on the line today, but the first question is this, who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm a family therapist. I'm a YouTuber. I'm an author and I help people recover from trauma, heal from anxiety, depression, those kind of things. You know, I help, uh, I teach parents and I work with couples, helping them, I don't know, restructure their life in a way that brings more peace, better relationships, and, um, you know, more fun and adventure into their lives. So how did you find your way into this career? I'm always, I'm always interested in how did people find their niche? Yeah. You know, when I was a sophomore in high school, I wanted to be an architect and I I love design and I love rooms and all that color. And, uh, then I was volunteering and I was in it really, I was going through my own stuff, you know, for my own chaotic family and going through my own emotional turmoil. And so I started to volunteer and the very first place I volunteered was actually at a latchkey hotline for kids who came home by themselves from school and didn't have anyone to talk to. And they would call the hotline. And as a teenager, I'd pick up the phone (laughs) and talk to these kids. And in that connecting with somebody else, it gave me a connection because I felt so different in my, you know, in my emotional turmoil and my own anxiety and my own depression. I felt so hopeless and helpless. But when I was doing that, when I was volunteering, and then I volunteered for tons of stuff uh, after that, but I felt connected. I felt like I mattered. And I don't know, people appreciated me or saw me when I felt so invisible before. And I think, and they felt good. It wasn't just for me because that would, you know, that wouldn't be a very good story if I was just doing it for my own gratification. But I could see their change in that relationship too, like we healed together. And so I pivoted and went into social work and I never turned back. That's 25 years, 25 years. I made a good decision back then. So do you do anything that is architecture like? Well, my house is my canvas. And so I, I, I did design my house. It was built. It's a environmentally friendly house. So it's all, you know, it's passive solar and all the good stuff. And so we designed that and then got to decorate inside. So those are the many things that I do in my office. And I really think that that our physical aesthetics make a huge difference. You know, they've done studies that if you have a lot of clutter in your house, you have a lot more stress hormones. And if your house is less cluttered, you have less stress hormones. And, and so it's, it's really in the whole family, but especially the mom. So, um, yeah, so that's a really important to have that physical space and people notice when they come in my house or even in my office, they notice a peacefulness just in the aesthetics. So I feel like I heal on, on a lot of different levels. So that's how I brought that in. So why, especially for moms? I don't know. They did the study in California and they, they interviewed, they tested the blood and they interviewed families about the clutter in their house. And every family member had elevated stress hormones, but the moms had more probably because they feel the most responsible for clearing the clutter or being organized, you know, as the head of the household. And they're probably juggling a million balls in their head, you know, as the mom, you've got all kinds of things that you're doing. Well, moms really blame themselves for everything. Well, parents do in general, but 
you know, us as women in this culture, we tend to feel inadequate all the time, but I don't think it's only women now. It's, it's every gender. Yeah. Yeah. It's remarkable, isn't it? I yeah. wonder, do you think that there was ever a time where, where people felt adequate? <laughs> well, I, I think it's a sign of our modern culture. So we have these freedoms to be sovereign beings. And in that freedom, we also are our own worst critic because we have all these, you know, we're the one that's judging ourselves. So we have this freedom to be the one judging ourselves. We don't have everyone telling us what to do. But with that freedom, then we think our standards are sometimes higher than they are. They're unrealistic standards that we have to live up to, like to be good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, young enough. Uh, and and so we're always going to be inadequate when we have these high standards. We don't even know exactly what they are. So we try to reach for higher even. And that's why we have such shabby self-esteem in Western culture. But we wouldn't want to be any other way because we love that freedom. <laughs> but yeah. we, we, if we're aware of it, and that's why I'm always, you know, teaching people and teaching parents in my uh, courses on Tilio, I, I teach people how to understand what that is so that we could counter it. So we could enjoy the freedom, but not take on all that negative self-judgment. Yeah, we're all always trying to live your best life. You don't want to just, you know, live your good enough life, but boy, we'd be happier if we did, didn't we? When we right, did. right. Just live your good enough life. But the best life, I mean, that's it, like perfectionism, like you can't ever get it. You know, it's, it's, un, it's unachievable. And so your best life really is your happiest life or your calmest life. And, and we do know how to do that. We do, we do know all of the, the recipe to have happiness in life. Uh, but we're so stuck on judging ourselves that we don't, it's hard to get there. Tell me about Tilio. Yeah, Tilio is this wonderful learning platform of lifestyle and personal development. And there's a bunch of experts on there and they uh, have uh, video courses on there for personal development, I said, you know, even so people learning skills. And I love it. I love Tilio so much because there's such a positive energy about the experts that are on there, really encouraging people to um, that, you know, we are able to learn and when we learn and use our brain in that way, then we're happier. You know, our brain wants a job to do. And if we're bored, and this is what the problem, I know we're going to talk about the quarantine on this call. This is the problem, like boredom, you know, increases our stress because when our mind is bored, it looks for a problem. And if there is no problem, it kind of makes something up. And that's why anxiety has been shooting up right now. And so if we actually learn something new, that's what I've been really trying to share with my audience. If you learn, if you learn something new, you're going to give your brain something to do and it won't get lost in the anxiety right now. That's really good advice. Mm -hmm. and and we're kind of seeing that. I mean, the entire country is learning how to bake bread or, you know, <laughs> sew dresses or garden and learn how it's, to play the piano. We're so highly adaptable. I love it. And, but we don't know it. That's the thing. That's, you know, I have a book coming out for teenagers on anxiety and that's the biggest message. You are highly adaptable, but people are so scared that they're not. And so the anxiety paralyzes them because they think that they can't do it. Mm -hmm. And it's not true. They absolutely can do it. And so bringing that belief back online is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the quarantine and COVID-19 and specifically how parenting has changed 
so much in the past few months. Yeah. Parents have to do everything, right? Parents are the the social life and the moral life and the educational life and the spiritual life. You know, they have to cover all the bases now. Yeah. And, you know, I see a lot of silver linings because that's Mm -hmm. just the way, Mm -hmm. that's just the way I operate in the world as I go looking for them. And, um, you know, like here in my household, several of my adult kids are here and we haven't spent this much time together in years. So, you know, I'm loving that. That is nice. That's a nice part. Yeah. I know a lot of people are not with their adult kids and that's really difficult, but yeah, I am too. I I'm here with my, I have one teenager and two adult kids here. And so there's five of us moving around and we're all basically working full time. So it's, um, it's a lot to juggle, but it's really been nice to bond in this way. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about stress Mm -hmm. and beyond decreasing clutter, or maybe we should talk more about that. How can parents help manage their stress levels, their children's stress levels, you know? Yeah. Well, I think our kids learn from us. You know, I remember my daughter was little and when she was afraid of something, I said, look at my face. If I'm worried, then you'll, that'll be a good sign that you could be worried, but I'm not worried about this. This is not something to worry about. So first of all, we could have confidence and that's contagious. So if we have confidence in them and confidence in the situation that definitely passes on to them, they're learning everything from us. And so quite often when I see kids with anxiety, their parents have anxiety that it's learned. And it's not just learned from their parents. This is not about blaming parents. You know, I have parenting courses on Tilio, and that's what I really emphasize. I think the parents who take my courses feel so much better about themselves because we blame ourselves for every little thing. But it's, you know, when our kids take our cue from us. So if our kids are anxious, we really have to do our own work. But that's brilliant because then it's a win-win situation. We feel better. They feel better. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. So we do our own work, but, you know, if let's say you're having a particularly anxious day and a lot of parents are, they have a lot to be anxious about right now. You know, there's financial concerns, there's health concerns, there's what's going to happen to you know, the economy and the world, there's a lot. And, you know, the election and all of that, there's a Mm -hmm. lot to be concerned about right now. And so our parents, you know, and and a lot of it is just plain old out of our control. Yeah, there is like definitely a context for anxiety. And so, you know, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling anxious, you know, I don't want you to judge yourself because that's absolutely a human response to what's going on. But if you're suffering, there is a way to feel better, to really get solid in yourself, to really build that confidence in yourself that no matter what happens, you're going to figure it out. And it's in the figuring out that really helps us get through the anxiety because it's a a channel for that energy. You know, the adrenaline, anxiety is just a hormone increase. And that hormone increase, the whole point of it is to take some kind of action if you're in a dangerous situation. So if you are having anxiety or stress and those hormones are high, like adrenaline, cortisol, then if you 
do something with that. Like if you adapt or figure something out or make a different plan or work around something, then you're using that energy for good and you're going to feel a lot better. You're going to feel empowered instead of powerless. So anxiety has us feeling powerless, has us feeling out of control. And so when we get that control back by taking some kind of action, and we can do that. And so sometimes people's anxiety, like with this quarantine, of course, you're seeing a lot of anxiety increasing, but you're at, I'm actually also seeing a lot of anxiety decreasing. It depends on what people are doing with their day. Like if they're working on adapting, okay, I got to figure out how I'm going to work from home. What do I need? You know, what do I need a place? How do I section it off? How do I create, you know, structure in my family? If they're figuring that stuff out, they're doing better because they're doing something with that. But if you're paralyzed and not doing anything and get stuck and you just like give all your attention to the anxiety, it gets worse. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. yeah. So if you're feeling anxious. Do you let your child know that or do you fake it? Well, I think there's a, I think that you, you, you want to, you could let your child know that's a normal human response, but that also you have confidence that it's temporary and it's normal and we can handle it. You know, so if you were in that state of such panic and you're like, I can't handle this and say, that would be terrifying to a child, you know, to see their mom feel like she can't handle anything and be that scared. If you were at that point, I would do that in private if you can. You know, it's it it's recoverable. It's all recoverable. But if you could do that in private, but if you're like, you know what, I feel the same way. If your kid's feeling anxious and you say, I feel the same way. This is, you know, this is a new situation. So now we have to figure it out. Be very validating of their feelings, lots of touch, a lot of cuddle, really understanding. And then you could have an idea of something to do together, something to look forward to, or some novel activity that could bring, that could use that brain space that anxiety is using. You know, a lot of people are looking for novelty, and I think that's an important piece. Like at first, we needed a routine because we lost all of our routine. We had to create it at home. And then now we have to bring novelty in every couple of days, every day, a little one, or every couple of days, we need some kind of novelty, like a new, a new game you play, you can make it up, you know, a new park that you go to, whatever you might be able to do a new, new show, something to bring some, or new recipe. That's why people are doing all those things is because yeah. they do, they're craving novelty, but that's smart. You know, that's yeah. like an instinctual. They're saying, this is what I need. And, um, and they're doing it. And that's, that's, those families are doing a lot better. So what are the things that are most important for emotional wellness during this time? Well, routine, like I said, so having a sense of routine, because if your mind's questioning and there's no routine, you know, your mind's going to be asking, 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 and it settles your mind down to have a really loose routine, go to bed the same time every day, wake up at the same time, exercise at the same time, have time for work and time for play so that you have this loose structure because without that, we just feel untethered. Mm -hmm. And then having a sense of purpose is really important. Like have, so have purpose to each day. Cause again, we feel really untethered without that purpose. We know from studies on happiness and longevity all over the world that having a sense of purpose is a very important part of, uh, of happiness. 
And of course, kids are not isolated alone. You know, I'm really concerned about a lot of people are isolating alone, but no kids are. So we don't have to worry about that on this show. But the, um, but when, but being around people is going to be important. And of course, kids are not alone. So that's good. And then that novelty. So I know it's two, but, you know, I started speaking about routine and then purpose, but I don't want people to be too routine and leave the novelty out. And so the last couple of weeks in my messages, I'm like, get that novelty in. I want to get that in. So let's talk more about purpose, Mm -hmm. what that looks like in a day-to-day life these days. Well, that could be a little purpose. Like today I'm going to get my homework done or today I'm going to weed the garden. Um, It could be more of a bigger purpose. Like, okay, today I want to make a donation to a food bank. And, and because it's, you know, people are having trouble even eating right now. And so what can I do for others? Is there someone I could call who's alone and and make that call and check on them? You know, if someone lost someone they loved, could you be checking on them and their grief? You know, people forget about grief after the first two weeks. And so it's always a nice thing to be checking on people that could really give you a sense of purpose to connect with somebody. And again, it's not about your own gratification. Like I'm a good person. I checked on somebody, but in that connection, in knowing that you changed their life, we're changed too. And that's really important. I think that's why I love Tilio so much and and being part of this launch, you know, Tilio's new, a new platform. It's only 99 cents for the first couple of months, but they're donating 100% of that to Feeding America. And that's something near and dear when we were thinking, how could we help people? My husband and I, we said food, people need food. So we've been donating to food cover. And I was like right on board when Telio said that's what they're going to do. I think that's one of the most crucial things that that we really need to, to help with right now. So a lot of my listeners are either... Um, pregnant or they're new parents or they have little kids. And how do we help them with, I mean, routine with little kids. I mean, it's the air you breathe. It's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a parent doesn't know that yet, we're here to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to tell you, get a routine going. Your kid will do so much better. Right. It just settles their mind. It really is important. I get, you know, having those boundaries is so important in, you know, their boredom is going to increase stress. So if you have a routine, that's already built in place. You don't have to make it up every second. It's already there for you. It helps you too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, they feel a sense of safety if they know this is what they can expect. I mean, the world is big and it's unpredictable and who even knows how it works when you're a tiny little person. But you do know that you have this story before you go to sleep. You have lunch at this time. You play with these toys. You know what's going on in your own little spot in the world. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And for parents, too, especially during the early years where, you know, it's the same for us. Who even knows how to do this? Raising kids, it's wild out there. We don't know what we're doing. I know it's such guesswork, isn't it? I think that's why I wanted to put together that parenting course is because parenting is such guesswork and there's so much judgment involved in that guesswork. Yeah. Well, if you mess up your kid, you know, there's a lot of judgment. Yeah, but you know what? It takes a lot to really mess up our kids. We can make a lot of mistakes and it's fine. You know, know. when, when there's that love online and good intention and that bonding, you don't have to worry so much about your mistakes. 
because there's going to be some, right? There's going to be some mistakes. And I think that's what's another thing important to um, young parents. You know, when I'm working with young parents, you really want to get other young parents in your community. You know, it's isolating. Being a young parent of young kids is so isolating. And when you're isolated, you judge yourself more. But when you're around like a mommy and me class or when you're around other people who are your age, like your kids in preschool and you get together with the, the other parents in the preschool, that judgment comes down because you realize that everyone's going through the same thing and it's not just you. When you're isolated, you think it's you and you made all the mistakes, and but you didn't. You're doing everything that everyone else is doing and you're fine. But we're all isolated now. You know, how do we do that nowadays? I mean, you can do Zoom preschool if you want to, but it's not the same. No, I think it's more about the parents. Like in those situations, right, the kids have the parents for socialization. Mm-hmm. Um, young kids, it's okay to just have their parents for socialization. But if the parents need something, they really need other peers to be able to be talking to or their siblings or their parents or friends. They need someone to talk to regularly to get out of their own head about it. Yeah. So you got to pick up the phone. You mm-hmm. got to get online. Mm-hmm. Until this weirdness is over, we have to you be We're so worried about making our time for our kids to be interacting with people. And when they're really young, they don't, they, they have us and they don't, that's, that's enough a little bit. I mean, eventually, of course we need more social, but they're okay temporarily. But for us, because we could get lost in our head, we do, we do definitely need our peers. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about creativity. Let's talk okay. about yeah. Creativity calms the mind. Yes, it does. Yeah. Let's talk it about does. That. It really brings online the prefrontal cortex. So, like I said, so our mind is this incredible machine and it's been evolved over two million years to solve all the problems to survive. And in the last, you know, two thousand years or less. We've had less problems actually in the last 50 years. You know, we, we have all these appliances now that we never had. We had to do all this, all these chores we had to do on our own. I have a TEDx talk actually when I talk about common anxious kids with simple chores because we stop doing all these things and our mind just has so much mind space. And also stopping doing all those things means we're not in touch with our skills. Like we don't do hard stuff and then feel confident that we could do hard stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're, um, so in that hard stuff, like creativity and problem solving, they're really the same thing, right? Cause when you're being creative, you're like deciding, should I use this color or that color? You know, you're solving that decision as a problem solving, or if you're like going to make a box, you say, how do I do the hinges on the inside or the outside? These are problem solving things in our brain is, is built to be such a very strong and constant problem solver. And when we don't have that creativity, then it's going to be used for bad, for bad imagination, negative thoughts, imagination. And that's why people go down those rabbit holes unless they had something creative. So people who are creative usually do a little bit better emotionally because their prefrontal cortex is so developed in that creativity and their anxiety and their depression is going to go down. Like overall so, um, in their life. So how do people start? You know, there are some people, especially brand new parents who are, you know, the creative part of their day is just getting through it. So 
many of them will have a creative outlet already, like painting, music, knitting, writing, whatever, but many won't. What do we tell yes, them? Um, how, how do you explore? Well, it could be really simple. You know, it could be like rearranging your furniture or it could be, you know, finding the perfect outfit for the baby even, you know, that that's creative yeah. or, um, or, uh, let's see, you know, yeah, coming up with a new recipe, right? Cooking is a creative endeavor as well. And so it could be making something for the baby. It could be uh, making plans or making a birthday party for the baby. I mean, there is so many different things that we could do that's creative. And if you do a party, you might have to create favors. You might have to do decorations. You'd have to do the invitation. You have to create the menu and a list of games that everyone's going to play. Like, there's a lot of creativity involved in, in parenting in general. Uh, doing crafts with the kids, you know, is um, figuring it out and sourcing everything. I mean, there's a lot of things we could do. It's really built in a lot to parenting, but um, so and we're problem solving all the time. Like, what are we making for dinner? So it's it's not that hard. I think parents maybe have it the easiest to get that creativity online, but sometimes you need an outlet that's like a fun, creative thing. Uh, it's something to like put that energy into and feel empowered and build your confidence, like know that you have skills, you know, learning new skills. And that's why these online learning platforms right now, they're really blowing up because people are like, oh, I have time to learn new skills. And they were craving and our minds are craving new skills. And so I'm so glad that Tilio is coming into the, the mix too. It's it's T-I-L-L-E-O.com if anybody's interested in mm -hmm. checking them out. Um, it's like the Netflix of skill building. It's great. And, you know, there's so many different things you could, you could be interested in online. And it's really, it's, sometimes it's just taking photos, right? Take photos of the baby, learn how to do new light and new. <laughs> there's so many apps now for editing photos. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes parents have to have permission and to play. And then yeah. you figure out what you're interested in being creative in. Play. Exactly. Yeah. I have a, a, a friend that I admire a lot who um, decided that she wanted to do more creative activities, but didn't really know what she wanted to do. So she set herself the challenge that she would do something different every week. And I think her first week she started off with candle making of all things. Oh my and she God. played with that. And then working with wax, that got her into... Um, casting jewelry. Mm. She discovered, Oh, I really like that. And, you know, she just kept taking it a little bit further that until she realized that what she really, really liked was encaustic painting, which again is wax. It's, it's amazing. Just, yeah. Yeah. So you can just, yeah. I think there's, we should like every 90 days we should learn something new. We should have little goals like that. And then big goals. That's why a lot of times you see when, when people are middle-aged, when their kids are kind of growing up and don't need them as much, they all get into like marathoning or running the futter mutter, whatever that thing is called. Like they need a goal. Like we need goals. We need yeah. that sense of purpose. We need to, we need to try to do something. And it's like a project. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the anxiety of going back into the world after COVID-19? Well, we're seeing that right now is like people are reacting so many different ways. 
And, you know, people are just uh, wanting to get out and thinking that they're safe and nothing's wrong anymore. And then we see people afraid and, and waiting it out to see if this is going to blow up in our face. So it's a uh, it's it's an interesting time to watch people, to be someone who works with people for 25 years and then to watch how people's behavior is happening right now. It's been very interesting. And I really feel like we need to make decisions for humanity. You know, so many people are saying like, I can't stand it and I have to do it for my mental health. And I feel like that's a, that's a lack of robustness in mental health. Mm -hmm. I think our mental health is important, as important as our physical health. And there's a lot of things that we could do to, uh, to improve our mental health right now, but making a decision that's not for your highest good because of that is not a robust mental health. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is make a decision from your sovereign power for humanity, like to be a good human. And so that is like helping other people. It might be going out and so it still might be going out into the world and doing things and being kind to others and interacting. Um, but it's like for humanity in a way that'll make us more centered. It's just been something I've been thinking about. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're kind of getting to the end of our time together, but I have a few rapid fire roundup questions. Okay. Before we get to that though, I want to ask you, what else do you want listeners to know? I know you got a book out, so I want to make sure people can find that. What's your book? My book is called Anxiety. I'm so done with you. It's a teen's guide to ditching toxic stress and hardwiring their brain for happiness. And actually all ages could read it. I do, I do have another book called You One Anxiety Zero, which is awesome too. But you know, this, this new book is my baby. It's actually out July 21st, but it's out for pre-order. So you could go on Amazon and order it now and it'll show up for you when it's out. But it's, it's amazing. I cannot wait to people have this book in their hands. It's, it's, soup to nuts, like everything you have to know about emotional wellness. Uh, it's, it's, so I'm really, really excited about it. It's for parents, it's for teens, it's for, you know, all ages and and all family members really. So, um, yeah, but if you're interested in, you know, learning more about parenting, I have two parenting classes, one for kids. So it's everything like parents need to know, to go forward in this navigating this crazy world. And those parenting classes, there's 35 videos each. Like this is really a comprehensive parenting course you get for 99 cents. So you can't, you just can't go wrong if you do that. Yeah. So I know that you gave the Tilio uh, website earlier, but what about you? Do you have a personal website? No, J-O-D-I-A-M-A-N.com, Jodyamon.com. I have a YouTube channel with tons of videos for you as well. So, um, and I have tons of, tons of uh, blogs and all kinds of resources. So come hang out with me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Rapid fire. They're hard questions too. You ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what role do feminism and politics play in your life? A very big role. It's very important to be active and get involved and and send love wherever I can and decrease division wherever I can. Oh, good answer. How do you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Uh, No, nobody ever told me. Nobody ever told me when I was young that 
that I would be okay when I got older. Hmm. Okay. My last question then is this, where do you stand in the world of motherhood? Uh, I was a foster mom and I'm a mom of three. I'm a stepmom and I had exchange students. So I've had a lot of different uh, roles, but I play mom to a lot of my clients in a, in a lot of ways. Like I taught some of my clients to drive and and so I feel like really good in the mother archetype. Just it's very strong in my life. Mm, great. Well, Jody, this was a fun conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I Thank think you, that, me too, Jeannie. Yeah, the information that you have to um, teach people about anxiety and creativity and stress reduction is really, really valuable. Maybe now more than ever. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Amen. I know. I'm just trying to get to as many ears as I can. So I really appreciate you. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate your, your being on the show. Thank you. We'll talk again down the road. Thanks, Jeannie. Bye-bye. That's it for this week, everybody. You can find out more about Tilio and Jody Amon at T-I-L-L-E-O.com, Tilio.com. You can learn more about me at JeanFaulkner.com. Tweet me at JeanFaulkner. Find us over on Instagram and Facebook at Pregnancy Parenting and Politics. And of course, you can find my books, Common Sense Pregnancy and the Complete Illustrated Version.